0: Salut! This is a classy podcast. Wine. I like <laughs> it.
1: You ever watch um Carmelo Anthony's uh, podcast?
0: No, what's that like? I didn't um, realize he has one.
1: Yeah, he has one now. It's uh drink with me or sit sit and wine with me.
0: Uh... <laughs> it's the last thing I would have expected from him. <laughs> I don't know him that well, but like, you know, from a NBA player to like come wine with me.
1: I think um most NBA players. Have started to go into that to that side with red.
0: Yeah, no, I think that like there's only so much you can flex on before you need something new, and wine's <laughs> like the new thing, right? I know people spend like tons of money on wine, especially NBA players. Yeah. And um,
1: the <clears throat> yeah, like uh, I hundred I hundred percent reckon I've got influenced on drinking red because of them, like LeBron, Carmelo, all of them. But it's been fun. It's been good.
0: Dude, it's amazing the influence these guys can have on. The, like, <laughs> during during Iverson's time, yeah. I was contemplating getting his, getting his tattoos, braids. which look ridiculous online. I was thinking of getting his blades. Well, only the strong survive. I wore, like, the, <laughs> the, WW, the WWJDs. I I wore a Allen Iverson headband to like my prom. Like a, like a fast, I was wearing like these big MIC track pants. Everything baggy. Everything baggy. I got the shoes. <laughs> got the I listened shoe. to the bad. Uh, duets with Deja Jayla Kiss, all of that <laughs> these, these dudes are huge influences on it these are like it's like MMA now they are like the they are like you know they're like the role models for us right they inspire it's like a modern soap opera you yeah, know yeah, yeah.
1: could you imagine um them back in the day but with social media dude
0: I got, I could like I couldn't imagine Alan Iverson with social media now he may have Crazy. it but it just doesn't connect right I follow it. Dennis Rodman it's kind of nice watching Dennis Rodman on there. Like, I don't think he completely gets what social media but no, then it's no. like still entertaining. Yeah, I want to get some of his collabs, his his clothing drops. Doesn't look bad.
1: I haven't seen it. I have to check it out. <laughs> I would t- let's get all the formalities out of the way. Uh, yeah, everyone that is tuned in or is tuning in to this episode, welcome to another episode of Word from Home. Today we have a very special guest. If you're new to this channel, make sure to give us a like below and hit the subscribe button. On on this show, we speak to athletes, artists, and creators to share their stories that can inspire you guys, myself included, and the next generation to pursue their passions and all their dreams with whatever it takes. And for those on the sidelines unsure of what that is right now, maybe this could spark that something for you to just start or to just keep going. Today's special guest is a producer, director, writer of some of the biggest TV shows in the Asia-Pacific, such as Surviving Borneo, starring Henry Golding from Crazy Rich Asians, and Say Yes to the Just Asia. He's worked for some of the largest entertainment companies in the world, Fox Studios, Warner Brothers, and he's current director of uh, Discovery Network Asia-Pacific, Rohit Tarani.
0: Yeah, that sounds impressive when you read it out like that. You like I, 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 I want to meet this guy. You like that? That's pretty good. Yeah, this is hyping me up. I feel like if I was fighting in the USC right now, I'd have you've yeah. up for me right now. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's to, it's been crazy. Like when you when you read that stuff out, I cannot believe I still can't believe I get paid to do this for a living. Because there was a when I started out, like there were there were literally no prospects. I was like yeah. a Indian dude from Hong Kong. Yeah. And like I didn't see an Indian dude from Hong Kong t- making any content in Asia, let alone in the US, right? So I was like, how am I ever going to even get this done? Yeah. Like I, I started out with the trolley and I was just like interning. Yeah. I did that for three, four years. I was dubbing tapes all the time. So it's just wild that I even made any content, let alone a bunch of stuff you just described.
1: Yeah. And all the things that I said is pretty impressive. Um, we'll, we'll get yeah. more into that. Just as a background for everyone watching, I met Rohit in Singapore in 2019 and we clicked right away, just learning that he studied in Melbourne, uh, lived and worked in the Philippines and, that he practices Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So we still catch up from time and time talking about UFC events that are coming up. But I remember leaving Singapore and being inspired to do more and some of the things that you've done, especially, you know, working over in the Philippines or abroad. Uh, first and foremost, how are you doing over in Singapore?
0: Um, pretty good, thanks. Like, it's it's hard to complain being in Singapore because you got a pretty good vaccination rate. Um, you're in and out of lockdown, but all, all things considered, you can't really complain. We just got out of... Uh, Another kind of semi-lockdown now. So the rules here are pretty much shifting in the favor of if you're vaccinated, you can do a lot more. You can start eating out. You can start training jujitsu again, which I did this morning. Um, and if you're not and you don't have a medical uh, reason not to, I think it's going to be difficult next few months. I think so and they even sense. just they just open up travel as well. I think if you're coming in from Germany or Brunei, no quarantine as long as you're vaccinated. So it's starting to. I find with COVID, it's like there's a little light at the end of the tunnel, then it gets dark again.
1: Mm. And I
0: think it's been that way in a lot of countries. So I think here, hopefully what we're doing here works so other people can replicate it, ideally. Yeah, I
1: think we. I, I think I mentioned to you that um, I saw that article that you guys were kind of already saying we, we're going to have to live with it one day. Hopefully we replicate what you guys are doing because um, I, th- I feel like everyone has no clue of what, what's, what to do right now. To help yeah, no, it situation. certainly feels
0: that way. Yeah, it certainly feels that way. I, I don't know if anybody's really got it right. But I think as long as people keep sharing information, hopefully we just keep... I think I think with COVID, it's like two steps forward, one step back. Yeah. That's what it seemed to me like in every country.
1: Yeah, but we're definitely a lot more blessed, uh, if you could say, than a lot of countries. Like I heard today in the Philippines, is 17,000 cases. And that's yeah. only the ones that have the money to get checked.
0: We were supposed to shoot a commercial there which yeah. just got moved to New Zealand because we thought New Zealand would be <laughs> safe. New Zealand's now in lockdown. We we don't know what to do. We don't know where we could shoot. So it's and we want to keep everybody safe obviously. So yeah, COVID's wreaking havoc in a lot of different ways I imagine. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be a wild world once we come out of it because mm. we're going to come out of it eventually and it's yeah. going to be a very very different place. Yeah. yeah. They they say when you come out of these great kind of moments of like of like I guess you'd call it a like there's always an economic boom it's an innovation boom so it'll be interesting, interesting to see you know it's going to be a really i'm optimistic about what will happen yeah i just don't know how long it'll take to get there yeah but tell
1: us more about uh tell us more about your upbringing where were you born and
0: uh, i was born um, when you ask me where i'm from it's a complicated question yeah like my both yeah both 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 my folks are indian
2: Mm
0: -hmm. um, but my mom is indian from indonesia Uh, so she's the youngest of 13 from indonesia and then my dad's indian from like a jungle area in india but then he got sent to japan pretty young Mm -hmm. so basically my mom's indian from indonesia my dad's indian from japan Um, they had me in indonesia then uh once my dad could finally afford to take care of us they flew us to japan to be with him I was in japan till I was like i think i went through kindergarten in japan then we moved to hong kong cuz back then china was booming so we just moved there my parents kind of moved from country to country just yeah. trying to get a business going yeah. like it didn't work in one place all right let's try somewhere else so yeah. hong kong was booming at the time we went over growing up in hong kong was really interesting at that time that was that was when it's still a british colony yep yeah, yep yeah,
1: yep yeah.
0: um so i was there till like I was there till college, college. I went to Melbourne there for five years, went. I decided I want to become like a superstar director. So I, I <laughs> saved a lot of cash. I never went to class in university. Yeah. Uh, I just kept saving money to make a movie. Then I flew to America on a six month visa, blew through all my money and then like blew through my visa. Then I had to go back to Hong Kong. Kind of like it didn't work. I didn't become a superstar when I thought I would. Yeah. Um, then I started, I started working in Hong Kong. Then I moved to Mel- uh, Manila, then Singapore. So kind of been around the region.
1: My girlfriend, Chelsea, I told him, uh, sorry, I told her that I, I was going to be speaking to you this week. And she was like, I really want to listen to this one because she wants to maybe one day move out to LA, maybe act, maybe do things that you've done. You've done it all. And I think it was, you were like born to move around to different countries from the way you're telling us, like your parents are from, Um, you were born in Indonesia. So what, what, what citizenship do you have?
0: I've got a, I always get stopped at immigration because it looks, it, I look sketchy as hell. So <laughs> it's not just the hoodies and stuff, right? Uh, I might have a little beard going. It, it, it doesn't help. So yeah, yeah. my. I'm a Hong Kong citizen. So I'm yeah. technically a Chinese national. I was born in Indonesia, it says there. Yeah. My ethnicity is Indian. I'm a Singapore PR and an overseas citizen of India. So it's it's a Jeez. whole load of, uh, <laughs> it's all over the place, to be honest, Yeah. It's wild. And I think that what's interesting is my parents weren't diplomats or anything. We were just immigrants. Back in the day, as long as you could fill in a form, you could move anywhere. Mm. It's become a lot stricter now. So this move from country to country, trying to find a way uh, to make it. And sometimes they move alone. So only my dad could afford to live in Japan. He'd be there by himself. When he could afford for the family to come down, they'd come down.
1: It's crazy. And so why'd you come out to study out in Melbourne?
0: I wanted to go to film school in New York, yeah. then I NYU, and then I Googled what it cost. And then, <laughs> uh, and then I, I, had, I had a near heart attack. So I said, I can't afford this at all. It's like trimesters. And I, it was a crazy amount of money, yeah. excluding the stuff you had to pay. So I said, like, I can't do this. So I spoke to my parents. I said, listen, um, I think it's a good idea to have a degree. Um, yeah. Could you lend me some money or I'll get a loan? So my parents said, we'll pay for your degree, um, but get something practical. Mm -hmm. You know, don't, don't do this film stuff. Don't do this art stuff. Like you can do that after just be a good Asian boy Uh, get a degree that's safe. Yeah. So I, so I Googled the next Google I had was what degree pays the most, like (laughs) out of the gate. Yeah. And then it was economics. So I said, all right, economics it is. So I applied for a few universities. RMIT accepted me finally uh, in Melbourne. I flew down. I went to my first class, immediately felt out of place. You know, the, the campus on Burke street. I, I just, it's strange to be in a room of like hundreds of people that obviously care care way more than you. Like I arrived there and I knew, I knew why I was getting that degree, but immediately I was like, they care. they were taking notes. Like, like anything I sat in the back, this guy came in, Jim, I still remember his name. He showed up late and he looked confused as well. He looked confused like me. He sat next to me. We tried staying in that lecture for about 18 minutes. And he's like, you want to get a beer? I'm like, yes, we just left. (laughs) And that, and you know, I, I graduated with a, average grade like, 57, 54. I'd get, like, <laughs> I'd get almost perfect scores in, like, English and media and almost accounting would be, like, 52. Yeah. So I never went to class. I was just, I was just working the whole time. I, I wanted to make a movie, and I don't like borrowing money from other people. I'd rather pay myself. Yeah. So I just started working a lot of odd jobs. I worked in, like, a donut van, like a jam donut van in the Telstra dome, worked <laughs> on a farm. I did door-to-door sales, uh, which is fun in Australia because people are not shy about how they feel. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of curse words at you uh i worked at the warner brothers studio store i, I had every odd job i could just to get some cash in because yeah. i knew that eventually i wanted to make something and I, and I didn't want to borrow anything from anybody yeah that's how i wound up in melbourne it was just really it was affordable my parents would pay for that degree and yeah. uh, it wasn't too far from home yeah and then from oh, there, an awesome place i actually wish yeah yeah, yeah I was just gonna say, I wish I spent more time like enjoying it, but I spent a lot of time just working, working, putting money in the bank, money in the bank.
1: Yeah, grinding. Yeah. And tell us about how you got started with your career in the entertainment industry. So you moved over to the US straight away.
0: Yeah, I, I've i always been interested in TVs and movies, especially like since I was a kid. I would sit there and I'd watch TV, and whatever I'd see, I'd start writing it down like a script. Oh, wow. Like, so I'd actually start copying it down as a little kid. And then um, I I like my. I was a very chill child. My parents left me alone, and I'd spend most of that time just watching TV and drawing and doing stuff like that. I'd stay up late and like just watch the comedic stuff. I love Letterman and all these things on TV. Then my dad one day came home with this VHS cassette. Uh, it was a bootleg of uh, Coming to America. So once <laughs> he showed me that, you know, the Eddie Murphy movie. Classic. Once he showed, me, yeah. Once he showed me that, and I saw how much I was I making every lab. Like this, I got to do this. This is what I want to do. I want to make stuff that makes people feel like this. So yeah. I was new. That's what I wanted to do, but I didn't know that was a real job. Yeah. So in the back of my mind, I was like, I want to do that, but I have no idea how. So I made a bunch of short films, stuff like that. I didn't mm-hmm. think it'd go anywhere. Um, and then when I went to Melbourne, on top of getting my degree, I started becoming like a freelance director. I mm-hmm. said, I bought a camera. I said, I'll do anything, even if it doesn't pay me. Just give me some work. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I just started shooting different things, commercials, this and that. Um, Being Indian, I leverage my Indian connections. I have a lot of friends (laughs) that are in the, they're like tailors, bespoke tailors. So I'll be like, so let me shoot a video of your tailor service. Oh, that's cool. So like, how do you, how to measure a lapel? I I just do anything I could. Anything. I got a lot of, yeah, I did anything and everything. Even if it didn't pay, I'd borrow equipment. And then um, I went to this comedy writing class in Melbourne and I met a dude who's like, I want to make videos for the internet. I'm like, people do that? He's like, yeah, I'm like, Mm. I can, I can do that. I have all the equipment, I have everything. So he's like, I can't pay you much. I'm like, don't pay me much. I'll come in, I'll do it. So yeah. I started that was my first kind of paid gig. Yeah. Um, producing stuff. Um I graduated from my degree during the financial crisis. So I had a degree in economics and finance at a time where every market was crashing. So not only did I study what year is this? Studying something, I was at let's say oh seven. Oh yeah. seven, So it's right when like that right right when the the housing market bust, I believe. Yeah. Uh or or there's some 08, financial yeah. crisis. So, so yeah. So I had spent years studying for this degree that had no value. So mm. I, at that time, so I told my parents, I'm like, listen, I, I I, paid them off through all my working through uni. I was like, listen, um, I am going to try and do this movie thing. I've saved some cash. Uh, I just need a U.S. visa. I'm going to go over there and figure it out. Yeah. Um, I know it's I know it's difficult for an Asian parent, their kid to like run off the U.S., like, yeah. but that's what I'd like to do. And they're like, all right, try that, but be safe. And if it doesn't work, come back here, get a real job. <laughs> okay, fine. Right. So uh oh by the way, I I got rejected for my US visa after I gave them the speech. So I was really frustrated. I and then I shot a short film about that experience. Yeah. Uh, It was a really stupid short film where like um I was just at home, I got my rejection letter, I didn't know what to do. Then I saw an ad in the paper saying like, I think it's something like uh Filipina ladies wanted to to move to Colorado. American men were looking for it. And then I like stole some of my mom's clothes and put it on, and then she came home. (laughs) It was, a ter- it was terrible. And then it ended with like, give me my effing visa. <laughs> so this is how I bent. And this, this is the strange things I would have made. So yeah, then I, I got my US visa. I went over there. It was, it was mind-blowing being in America after you see it on TV and everything. Yeah. Um, I just started using the internet, trying to find opportunities, go from place to place, um, stake up any gigs I could. But I realized yeah. with time, like there's a lot of really talented people there that need work as well. So this immigrant from India is not exactly...
1: It's not um, rare.
0: You know, the thing about the U.S. that's amazing is you get to see all these like world-class comedians for like three bucks, five bucks. Any yeah. night you go to a comedy cellar, Jerry Seinfeld the drop in. All of- So I spent a lot of my time there just taking in culture because yeah. I had a feeling in that six months I was like not going to make it. Mm. I wasn't getting any opportunities or anything. So once I ran out of money, once I ran out of visa, I moved back to Hong Kong. There, are four, there were four media companies in Hong Kong at the time. I applied for each 10 times, basically. So 10 applications each over a year. Um, one of them finally called me back and said, hey, listen, please stop emailing us. We're not hiring. <laughs> uh, how, we, but we may be in a few months. Um, uh, and uh, so we'll call you if we are. So I kept calling them every month. I'm like, hey, listen, give me a job. Give me a job. And they're like, listen, um, we'll interview you, but we don't guarantee anything. I was like, yeah. fine. So they interviewed me. Um, and I went through the process and they said, we really like you and you're really cheap. So we're going to want to hire you, but you don't have a degree in film you have a degree in economics so it's between you and somebody else we're going to give it to the other person yeah, yeah. and i was like ah crap so that didn't work out then i went into microsoft word i opened it up i just hit backspace on my degree and i changed <laughs> it to like film history or something <laughs> <laughs> i sent it through again like a month later and they gave me a job <laughs> they, they didn't even realize it was me so check. so yeah they, they did your checks. So that's how i got my first job in media and I also lied. I said I knew how to do this, and you—I I didn't. I just yeah. studied a lot before I started. And then it was like eye-opening to actually be working in media for the first time. I kind of lied my way in when I was there. <laughs> um, yeah, they were like, "Can you edit?" I'm like, "Yeah, I got a MacBook and everything." Then yeah. I then uh, I hung up the phone, but like, I need to get a MacBook. Yeah. I need to know how to use a Mac. Yeah, yeah. So I had to go get one. Um, then I started working there, and it was really interesting. It was kind of like a uh, like an apprenticeship system. Mm. So if you start out, you can't actually do anything creative. Uh, which is the whole reason I'm doing it. they yeah, like, you got to work your way up because we worked our way up, right? So, so what were you doing? What was your first me, job though? My first job was I, I dubbed tapes. We had four like really high quality VHSs called like uh, Digi Beta, I think, these big blue Sony cassettes. Like Beta um, I Yeah, so I'd be in a dark room
1: yeah.
0: and I'd copy commercials from one to different tapes. That's all I did all day. I was in a dark room for 10 hours a day. And at the end of the day, I'd put them all in a trolley I'd go around the office and I'd hand people the copy of tapes. That's what I did for two and a half years. Um, and that I feel whole like time.
1: A, I feel like there's a movie that, that's kind yeah, of the yeah. same. That's a, yeah, that's I think there. in LA, that's a lot of
0: people start in the, yeah, I think there's in the movies, a lot of people that <laughs> in LA, they start in, like the mail room, but yeah, we didn't get did mail. Say. I just had to deliver tapes. The tapes yeah. And like, I'd go around, just ask it like, what are you working on? What are you working on? Mm. I just like ask, you need any help? I'll do your work for you. You don't have to yeah, pay me. So cool. I did that. So I get a little experience here and there. Yeah. Um, then they fired everybody. They went to restructure, Fox Mer- merged with Star, and they kept me mm-hmm. because despite everybody else knew there was like a downsizing coming except me, because I was like ignorantly in yeah. my own world of tapes and stuff, right? So I would keep working and showing up and working and showing up and working and showing up when everybody else wasn't. So like, hey, listen, you cost us almost nothing. We're going to fire a lot of people. You can stay. We're not going to pay you anymore. But And if you want to do their work, you can. And I was like, hell yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> like it was really, <laughs> it was really sad to watch people go, but I was like, I'll do it. So then I started editing commercials. I I saw my stuff go on TV for the first time. I started helping with shows. I started learning how to uh, curate content. They like do strategy. Yeah. That's where I got my experience. So I started doing that and then kind of worked my way up from there. Yeah. But yeah, that's how I got my start. It was like in the tape room. They fired everybody. I was like, I'll do it. And then that's it. <laughs> you yeah, feel the rest of his You feel like it was
1: meant to be? Like it was meant to happen. Um, a bit of luck.
0: Dude, it was. I, I felt like I, it felt hopeless because mm-hmm. I was like an educated dude. I made better money in university than I made as a tape dubbing guy. Yeah. I wore shorts to work. My parents said, like, What kind of job can you wear shorts? Like, why yeah. don't you get like a real job? I had a girlfriend whose parents were like pressuring me. They're like, Why don't you date job. a dude with like prospects, not the tape guy? <laughs> right. So, like, I felt hopeless. I didn't feel like it was meant to be. I just knew that my mom gave me some really good advice. She said that. If you, if you just keep changing your job, you yeah. don't have experience at anything, yeah. right? So whether you like this or not, it's kind of the direction where you want to be. Stick yeah. it out for a bit, you'll have a little more experience. And like, if you work hard and there's an opportunity, they'll probably more give time. it to you because you're be there.
1: Opportunity, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, which makes is a lot of kind sense. of what
0: happened. Yeah, which is kind of what happened. Yeah. um And then yeah, so now in hindsight, I think it's meant to be, but at the time. I was sleeping in the floor of my parents office i was like what am i doing with my life?
1: yeah
0: <laughs> i don't know if this is going anywhere i'm, I'm not even doing anything creative so no. yeah it was tough but i was kind of like yeah, it definitely didn't feel like a sure bet uh,
1: that's what they say with a lot of people when you know hard work meets opportunity and things will come so you know yeah i I've, think yeah
0: because i was gonna say i think a lot of also you, you gotta have a chip on your shoulder because you're like i'm here let me do something awesome yeah, but you don't have any experience. Like, why would I give you something awesome to do? You need you need some experience. I can give you some good stuff as well. So you Makes kind of sense. have to meet that middle. You need your experience to match the opportunity. Makes then when sense. something good comes up, you get that shot. So I was like kind of I was kind of impatient at the time as well. Mm. Yeah, um, but yeah, go on.
1: No, aggressively patient. Most people that really want something, they like that, but they just got to keep working hard, right? So you know me. Um, uh, we've spoken about it. Uh, I've, I'm just newly starting getting into this creating content space. You've been doing it for years, like you just said, and this podcast and platform itself is built on pursuing your passions, whether it be sports, entertainment, passion for food. Um, I've only really learned what it is to follow your passions right now, like in my late 20s. Can you speak on creating content around your passions or when did you realize you had a passion for this? Well, you already said when you were a kid, but you know, creating content around your passions.
0: I... I think there was a switch that happened uh, sometime when I was in the Philippines. Mm. So a few things changed, right? So Philippines was like life changing in every way. Like what year when the, was this? So basically uh, this was 2011 when I moved down there. So what happened was I kept telling my bosses, I'm like, Hey, listen, if there's an opportunity, like give me something big. So I can prove like, uh, you know, I, I I'm, I'm happy dubbing these tapes. I'm happy doing a little content strategy, but if there's, if there's somewhere I can go, and like prove that I can, you know, let me go somewhere I can kind of grow up on my own. You know, like yeah. a hero's journey, you go off in the jungle, you learn some shit, and then you come back. Yeah. That's really what I was thinking about, right? So eventually an <laughs> opportunity came up in the Philippines. Also, like too many bosses, I can't be creative. So I'm like, let me, send me somewhere away from the bosses. That was part of it as well. Yeah. So they're like, hey, we're expanding this Philippines office. Um, would you like to go and check it out? You know, go there for a few days. I'm like, let me think about it. They're like, yeah, sure. And then I went downstairs to the bar near the office and they already had my ticket in their hand. They're like, yeah, you're going on Monday. So I was like, what? So everybody knew except me that I was probably going to the Philippines.
1: What area was uh, this uh, that, you know, the? because a lot of them, our listeners, you know, I'm Filipino. So most of the listeners yeah. are Filipinos. What area was it? Uh, what what company?
0: Yeah, so it was with uh, Fox, the so Fox Network Groups in the Philippines. So I was super excited about the Philippines. So I was terrified, right? Because yeah. I never visited there before now what i was really excited about is i love anywhere that loves content because my passion is content and, yeah. and the philippines love content they, they yeah. you know i mean it's arguable which countries in the world love it the most but philippines and content go together like that yeah. so to go to a place where they love what i love is like a tremendous opportunity so i was really excited but then part of me is like i've never been there before like what am i doing i was like let me just go i asked for this i'm gonna go so I thought I'd be there for two months. Uh, I joined Fox. Their office was in like Makati at the time. Kati, yep. It was an office of seven. It fit 12 people. But it was an office of seven within. And I went there as a head of content. So I was deciding what kind of shows we buy, uh, what we do with the content. So how do we just keep putting good stuff that people want to see on TV? Yeah. Movies, series, Walking Dead, stuff like that. I, uh, I bought the rights to WWE, which I still I still yeah. think was a great move. <laughs> yeah, so. And it was a great team. Like I got to pick some of the people to join and I I was lucky that some of them were great. And yeah, we did some cool things together. Like I still got a lot of the viewership records in the Philippines, like of like most watch shows and all that. But things really changed when I made my first show. Mm -hmm. Like and and uh, that's where I kind of realized, okay, this is what I want to do. So I I watched um, a lot of times when I make a show, I'll see something. And I'll be like, it'd be cool to do that. Or it'd be cool to work with that. Yeah. But I don't know how and I don't know when. But eventually I might. So we're having this event. And these four people hosted it. Um, like it was like an ad agency event. And we brought in celebrities to host it. And there's this one dude that kept making everybody laugh. So I was like, that dude seems really funny. Like these are not fake laughs. These are not awkward laughs. They seem like smart and funny. And he's killing it. I was yeah, like, yeah, who yeah. is this guy? Yeah. And they're like, he's a university professor. I was like, university professor. So I Googled him. He's got like 3 million followers on Twitter.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: I'm like, who is this university professor? It was hilarious. And I was like, I'm going to write his name down. And maybe one day something will come up. But I just wrote that name down. And then I got an email a few weeks later from National Geographic. And they're like, hey, we have this show. It's called Science of Stupid. I was like, it sounds great already. And they're like, we just show a lot of vile clips. And then we show you the science behind them. So if somebody's like riding a pogo stick down some stairs, and falls down. It's like the conservation of angular momentum versus the impact versus the coefficient of friction. So there's like the science, but it's actually just a dude falling on his face. Yeah. It's a funny show. I was like, maybe we can do that. They're like, we'll pay for it. If you want to do it, um, you can do it in the Philippines. So you, you get your local host. We'll just send you everything. You, you fill in the blanks with your local host. I was like, I'll do it. I'll, I'll happily do it. Like, and they're like, um, the budget's pretty small. But whatever you got, send it my way. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Then, it, then I was walking home that day. I'm like, the, the, the professor it's that professor so like i i i called my producer i was like hey listen we're gonna make this show i need to find a way to do it like we don't have much of a budget the uh, first thing find me a studio so i know we can actually do it so she searched around the only studio she could find me that we can afford wasn't at the the university yep. it was the jesuit production facility so they only do stuff for like the pope the jesuits and, uh-huh. and, my, and the show i made Because there's like like nobody else shoots there, but I was like, they're in the budget, they're they're a good team. I'm gonna go there. So we found the Jesuit production facility. Uh, We did a casting call to like a few select people, yeah. And we were like, let's cast the right person for this show. And everyone had a different picture in their mind. Uh, My producer was like, let's cast Derek Ramsey. Let's cast the most famous person, whoever we can afford. That's the most famous. Let's get him. Yeah. Right. Uh, My marketing head was like, this dude is very marketable. It's other guy. He's got a high IQ. Let's use him. My boss is like, use my friend. And, <laughs> uh, and, and the head of the network was like, use this guy who's like, uh, you know, Kuya Kim? The guy yeah, who's always yeah, wearing yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. so use Kuya Kim. It's not Geo. You got to use Kuya Kim. And That's I was like that. getting stressed out. I'm like, man, everyone, everyone wants different things. And none of them sound funny to me.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So I was like, what do I do? Um, so I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a, a casting day. I'm going to invite all of them in, including the guy I want. We'll test them all on a camera. Whoever is best will get the show. Yeah. Um, but I had, I had one more KPI, like one more deciding factor. I said, no matter who it is, this is meant to be a comedy show. They need to be able to sit down with me and write every episode because I can't write a joke for somebody else. Yeah. They need to write it for themselves with me. So yeah. we had the audition day. They all came in. This guy, Ramon Bautista, came in, yeah. the, the university professor. Yeah. You know, he's like, and I looked at some of his stuff. He's like a really funny dude. He's made a lot of viral videos, really hilarious stuff. So I knew he was going to kill it. He came, in and he came in and killed even harder than I imagined. Um, and I knew he had it when I told him just improvise. You know, like, uh, give me some tags. Like, watch this show on National Geographic. He said, like, what's it called again? I'm like, science is stupid. Then he just turns the camera. And he's like, hello, stupid Filipinos. Just <laughs> killed me. Was- <laughs> like, so he just killed it in the moment. And I was yeah, like, this yeah. is the guy. And then we started writing the show the next week. I cast him. And the second we started writing, I knew this is what I want to do. This is my passion. Like, I like writing funny stuff. I like working with people to make it. I like the stress. And I like that at the end of the day, people are going to watch this. And hopefully, they're going to like it. And they're going to want to make something like this. Yeah. So that's really, that's when things changed for me. When I made my first show. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What was the name of that show?
0: Uh, Science of Stupid. Oh, stupid. It's, the, it's the most watched show in the history of National Geographic wow. in the Philippines. It used to beat The Walking Dead. And it's uh, something we shot in the Jesuit facility <laughs> in Ateneo, so it was just really, it really making that show changed everything for me. Just knowing that I could make a show. I could make it my way. Yeah. Um, I could do whatever we thought was kind of funny and putting yeah. it out and seeing people reacted to it. Then I was, then I was like, this is, a, this is addictive. This is like what I want to do. We could that's- make it weird. We put in things that we thought were funny. Yeah. And like it, that's how it went. And it was, it was great. So yeah, that kind of changed everything for me.
1: Would you say that's your most memorable uh, memorable piece of work so far or your greatest piece of work so far
0: uh i'm very egotistical so it's hard for me to pick there's a lot of stuff but but yeah I th- <laughs> i'd say like this: some cool things i did i did um, you know joey and angie Mead king in the philippines this transgender married couple mm-hmm. so so they kind of announced they were transgender and they were staying married so angie came out as a trans oh, woman yeah this was in 2016 before all, before everything became really woke. So it was really like kind of ahead of their time. <laughs> yeah. So I got them to do something with TLC where they told their story yeah. when it was really not cool to do that in Asia. To do stuff, so yeah. that's something I'm proud of. Um, the higher profile stuff is not what I'm proud of. It's usually like, we made something about a chicken beauty pageant uh, in yeah. Indonesia. These, these girls came up with an idea and they said, we're going to pitch you a show. And they said, it's called chicken beauty pageant. I said, sold. You don't need to tell me anymore. <laughs> Uh, a great show is one where the name tells you everything you need to know. And then they pitched me ideas. Great, I gave them the money. They went and did it with my producers and everything. That was really nice as well. So different things for different reasons. My favorite thing I've done is is my white whale. Like I shot enough footage to make a movie, as you know, and I, I haven't finished it. Well, t- that's yeah. the most fun because it's the biggest, scariest thing I've ever done. Yeah. And uh, so that's probably the one I'm proudest of because it terrifies me the most, and I haven't done it yet.
1: Yeah, yeah. You not finished with that yet? I was gonna, no, but I'm up. editing it now. Yeah, I was gonna bring that up. I know that we've been talking about that movie for years, uh, like since we first met. How's everything going with that movie?
0: Uh, I finally figured out what it's about. Cause you can write a story, but you don't know what it's really about. You know what I mean? I was like, what is the emotional? I always knew that I wanted to make a movie, but I knew I'd have to live some life to say something interesting. Yeah. So I had a plot that was kind of funny. It's like a dark comedy but it wasn't really about anything. So kind of end of last year, I went through a bit of heartbreak and that told me what part of the story was about. I'm like, okay, this makes sense with my plot. Mm-hmm. And then the second part of it is actually about me as in how I haven't finished this project. <laughs> so it's about, so I needed those two real emotions to be there. Now mm-hmm. I have those two emotions. I've rewritten it. I'm editing it now. Hopefully yeah. it'll be out this year. I'll, I'll send you an early release of it.
1: Yeah, well, you got to let us know so that we can post it up on everything so everyone can come to nah,
0: I'd love that. But yeah, I mean, talking about not giving up, like I shot this thing five years ago. Uh, A lot of people ask me, like, didn't you shoot this movie? Where is it? it. Year after year after year. And the longer the time went, the more embarrassing it got. But now enough time has passed where if I finish it, it'll be cool. You know, like he didn't give up up after five years. So yeah, that project.
1: Didn't you tell me that there was uh, someone that is kind of well known in that movie?
0: There's a lot of people. I mean, so like the <laughs> cast of the movie is amazing, in my opinion, because yeah. here's the thing. When I made this movie, I wanted to make something that nobody else would make and nobody would pay for. Yeah. Because I could get funding to make something. I just want to make yeah. something weird. To me, the coolest thing you can make is something weird and something funny. Mm-hmm. That's the gold standard. If you if you gave me money to make like Avatar 4, I'd be like, give me like one one thousandth of the budget, maybe mm-hmm. one ten thousandth. Just give me like a hundred grand, leave me alone. That's what yeah, I want to do. Yeah. I want to make weird, funny things. So to me, that's creativity. That's so cool. so, when he, so to me, I got the best cast in the world. I got, I got Ramon Bautista in it, um, the, the, from Science is Stupid. Yeah. I've got Russell Peters in it as a cameo. Wow. I've got uh, Yayo Aguilar, who's like a teen star. i got my favorite yeah. Filipino director, Peke Gallaga, is in it. Yeah. Uh, my friend Gorka Caneras is in it. Um, Laura Devera is in it. June Sabaton, who ran for president in the Philippines. I got DJ Tony Tony. I got like a bunch of, it was, I knew I was leaving the Philippines by the time I started shooting it. So I kind of made it like a farewell exercise. Let me do something with everyone I love. And that's what I did. So I shot scenes with everybody I love. It's very DIY. We brought our own equipment, borrowed lights. There was one scene we used car lights to light because we didn't have lights. So it's very like DIY, but yeah, yeah, it's kind of like my farewell to the Philippines, (laughs) putting that together
1: looking forward to seeing that I've been I've been hounding yeah. you I'll be, every time I talk to you I've been like where's this movie I want to see it I want to show chills.
0: everyone who everyone who cares about me has been hounding me because they know <laughs> that they know the reason it's not finished has nothing to do with the movie itself yeah that's true I just kind of like I built it up in my head as something big mm-hmm. and then I kind of got and I, I did this thing where I, I just work I take I've started taking everything I like and making it work yeah. like even the stuff I do for fun. Like at jujitsu, I take notes, I study it. I try and get a result when I train. Yep. And it's also meant to be fun. And so what happens is when you start turning side projects and passion projects into fun, you take the fun out of it and then it makes it harder to move on it. Yeah. So what I've had to do and work on the last few months is like reframe all of this as fun. And now that I see it as fun, I'm ready to finish it. Like I know what it's about and I'm having fun. I'm going to finish it yeah. as opposed to before sure. terrifying myself about it. <laughs>
1: I think that's most people, most creatives do the same uh, in that same kind of um, mindset, like unless they're having fun with it or they're enjoying it or they're in that in that zone, they won't they won't create or they won't really um, get into what the finish off what they started.
0: Yeah. And you kind of have to fight the demons in your head, right? Because number one, you're worried if it sucks, but it doesn't matter if it sucks. Like one of the things I really learned uh, from all the stuff I've made, everything I made, is that the experience of making it is everything.
2: Mm.
0: Because when I make a show, at the end of the day, it's a file. And like, people can watch it. I hope they like it. Um, but it's a file. Like if I make an app at the end of the day, it's just, it's just some code, right? People can enjoy it. But the process of building it, that is really everything. If mm. I could go back and change one thing, I just would have been more present in the moment of everything I made. Sure. Cause like that's the process, the stress, the timelines. The laughing on the set, the freaking out, that's that's everything. Yeah. Like in the end of the day, you just have a piece of media you made. Yeah, it, you can share that with everybody. But yeah, I think the process everything.
1: It's like the it's the cliche saying, you know, it's not it's not the end, it's the journey. That's everything.
0: I yeah, and I hate people that say that. It's totally true. I hate it because it's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, it, it, it's so true, and you want to believe it, but then you kind of don't. That's like me. Um, like I have I
1: have big dreams to do this and that. But I know all the things that I'm doing right now is like the is gonna be the things that I look back on, and that's fun, you know, like me editing everything for myself or me doing everything for for all the things I want to do, even as big as whatever it is that I can create myself. Um, you do not
0: know how much I admire like what you're doing, because <laughs> like the, the big difference between you and me is that for many years I didn't do what I wanted to do. Like I'd spend like I did what I wanted to do at work but personal creativity, mm. stuff that didn't impact my actual job, I, I'd kind of like delay. i procrastinate. I wouldn't want to do it. I'd be like, what would people think if I put it out? What if it's not good? You're just doing it. And you know, if you keep grinding at it, you're going to do something good. Yeah. Like that's way braver than anything I ever did in that sense. Like that's why every time I see you post something new, I'm always like, I'm semi jealous. <laughs> I'm really proud as well. But I'm it's- like, it's so amazing that you do it. That's it's amazing.
1: But it's crazy because yeah, it really on, on my end, I look at the things that you're doing, and I'm like, I kind of want to be doing what I want to be doing what you're doing on your end as well. So it's like it, it's it's like two people just um you know admiring each other's work. That's all.
0: <laughs> I I no no BS at all. Like I would love to be doing what you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, like not your day job, but this job. Like to me, this is this is awesome because what you're doing is you're creating for the sake of creating yeah. and creating to influence. And I think that's a really important thing like ultimately when i make stuff that's what i want to do like this stuff you know if you have a rough time growing up you have problems in your life like for me content's an escape if i could make something that helps other people escape or enjoy or makes their lives a little better then what what better use could i have right with some of my experience out here sure. yeah
1: um who are some of the big name talents that you've worked with or you still keep in touch with that uh, people that we would you know like Filipino, Let, let's start with the Filipinos
0: Oh, there's, there's a lot Let me yeah. think um, My favorite Filipino talent to work with Are not the most famous uh-huh. But they're the most unique And they have a story I'm a real sucker for like A behind the scenes story I care way more about me, I care. I care way more about Making the movie than the actual movie like my favorite movie is Apocalypse Now, not because it's an awesome movie, it is, but because everything that went wrong. By the way, they shot that in the Philippines, right? So a shout out again to, uh, <laughs> I forgot where they shot that. I think they shot that in Lowne somewhere up there. Okay. Um, but yeah, so my favorite talent in the Philippines is actually not the most famous, but they are famous, like, like Ramon, right? Ramon Bautista, he's one of my favorites because how many people make funny viral videos 10 years ago that had a million views mm-hmm. before YouTube was huge, right? Like, the fact that he made all these silly indie comedies and put them online, I love that. Like Lord de Vera, right? He's like a poet and a writer. What kind of poet and writer in 2021 has like a million fans on Facebook and is doing his own damn thing, mm. right? Um, Quark, uh, Anera is the director. He's one of my friends, right? And like the fact that he's just, he's, a, he's got obsessive productive disorder. I cannot believe how much stuff this man does. He's a director. He's a producer. He's a DJ. He's traveling. He's a head of Globe Studios. So a lot of my favorite, like, you know, you get to work with a lot of big names when you're there. But to me, it's like, there are a lot of prominent people that I think, like, are more amazing to me with some of the stuff they do. And also, like, they're so eccentric. Like, June, right? June Sabaitan. There's there's nobody like June anywhere else on Earth. He's, like, the funniest, strangest man I've ever met. And he (laughs) dedicates his life to the arts. Um, Yeah, so it's those kind of guys that I think are really exciting to me mm-hmm. but then you get to work with like a lot of like I've worked with like I really like working with Casey and Troy Montero mm-hmm. mainly because they really like making funny things I really admire that we shot a really crazy show together where basically I told him uh this is a funny story we made a show called I asked him pitch me 30 ideas I've got like a budget pitch me 30 ideas I'll meet you at a bar read all the ideas to me and uh, I'll pick one of them I'll give you the money I'll give you the freedom you go do it I won't mess with it I'll give you the tech specs, but you gotta deliver a show, and we have to align on the direction. But outside of that, I'll give you creative freedom, which to me is everything. That's worth more than any budget, right? Yeah. So, so they met me, they pitched me thirty ideas, just like I asked, which I really appreciated. Um, they pitched me ones where like we go in the the big the seven star hotels of the world and have a great time, blah blah blah. They pitched me all these ideas, and they pitched me one called "Worst Vacation Ever." I'm like, stop. To tell me about worst vacation ever, <laughs> they're like, uh, they're like, oh, it's like the opposite of that one. Like we go to like the worst, ho- worst holidays, and I'm like, I want to see that. Like I want to watch you guys. Like that's what I want to see. I don't want to see you like glamping it up. I want to see you like having a hard time. They're like, like, are you just picking the cheapest idea because it's the cheapest? I was like, kind of, but I'm, I'm also picking it because it's the funniest. Yeah. So cool. So what we did was because it's fun to see people suffer. Nobody wants to see celebrities have a good time. <laughs> I see true. him suffer. It's entertaining, right? It's and especially if they're funny, what better thing than conflict? So the premise of the show is basically, they go online, they look for like one-star holidays, two-star, like worst reviews holidays. And they go there and they try and have a good time. Yeah. So they take a bad time with somebody else and try and turn it into a good time. Yeah. And, and what the show is really about, is like family. Because even on the worst vacation ever, it's about who you're with. So he's with his brother the whole time. So that's really kind of what the show's underlying about, yeah. right? So like there's people like that I really like to work with. Um, my favorites are not the most famous Peke Gayaga, the director he directed this movie Oro Plata Mata he was like to me like so this guy had a heart attack directing his own movie he's overweight, right Uh, and the the studio said rest, we'll send another director in. he's going to come in and finish that movie for you, and he said like hell he is, Uh, and then they said just stay there, and they hung up the phone they showed up on set with the new director Peke's bed was wheeled to the set and he directed that scene from his bed <laughs> after after a heart attack. To me, those are the real Legend. to me. That's that's better than any that's better than any artista to me. You know, people are <laughs> willing to do that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But really, you did mention to me like you you've met or like you got, you still talk to like John Lloyd and and
0: Yeah, I, I I'm in the circles with him, and he's like an amazing artist. I just really admire much talent there is in the Philippines there's yeah. so many talented people so mm-hmm. many talented people I think the shame is that they don't always have like the, the, the vehicle to showcase the their skills but people like John Light Cruz always, he, he's incredibly talented yeah. prolific as an artist uh, there's a lot of great talent I think there's not enough of an industry
1: I think that I think the same thing and it's not not just in entertainment or media everything in the Philippines there's talent in every way you look excuse me but there's no funding, but you see when, um, what's her name? She won the gold medal for weightlifting. Uh, she was the first. Yeah. 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 The one who won. recently won one. Yeah. She recently. Amazing. Won. But yeah, now you see Philippine airlines, uh, the condo companies, everyone supporting her saying that they're giving her free flights for life, blah, 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 But Like where were you on the grind? They weren't there hundred percent. They weren't there. There was no funding. Yeah. For that. She was, a.
0: Yeah, when she was in Malaysia by herself, no one was calling her on the phone. No.
1: And there was yeah. a lot of people. There's a lot of kids that are going to be great boxers or great. They could do so many things out there, but there's just no funding. So as, as great as it was that there was three medals that came out of the, these Olympics in Tokyo. There should be a lot more coming out from the Philippines.
0: Dude, imagine when they really crack MMA, uh-huh. when, when, when the Filipinos get in MMA for real, like the global scene because i know one has a bunch of those
1: yeah
0: yeah they're getting real good but i reckon i mean because like yeah the talent out there is so good i imagine it's just a little more i think access to maybe even better quality training and you got you got some real trouble just the
1: conditioning i reckon it is because the skills are always going to be there yeah Yeah, especially the
0: lighter the lighter weight classes they could take over
1: 100 percent you can see it in one now uh hopefully we get and some i think there's one or two in the ufc there's one guy um from Australia, he's Filipino. And there's another guy he fights out of uh ex extreme coutures, uh Ray Seffler's gym, and he's from Hawaii, but uh they're, they're both Filipino and they're fighting the UFC. So hopefully we'll see more.
0: It's gonna sound nuts to you because I've lived in like eight countries and I've lived in most of them. Like I think Hong Kong's the longest I live anywhere, 14 years. Honestly, like I feel like Philippines is home. I was mm-hmm. only there five years, but like it's the only place that's felt like oh strangely. Even Singapore, I've been here about five years. Amazing place, but not like the Philippines. I think it's the yeah, I think there's no way on earth. It's the people for sure. It's, the it's 100% the people. people. It ain't the traffic. It's the people. <laughs> definitely not the traffic. Yeah, it, yeah.
1: Who's the person that you say that you really inspired, uh, who really inspired you growing up?
0: Uh, I would say growing up, a tough question actually i'd say that um when i was younger it'd be like funny people in movies and tv Mm -hmm. so when i saw like david letterman i see jerry seinfeld i first saw chris rock dave chappelle that really inspired me yeah especially because um i think this i think more than people it was it was movies that inspired me so coming to america was like huge for me to watch like somebody Who's like a person of color mm. funniest dude and just kill it. It's basically to me, like a African-American fairy tale, right. Mm. Coming to America. So just to see that and how silly it was really inspired me a lot. Then I saw, um, I saw like Ferris Bueller's day off. If you ever seen that movie and Matthew Broderick, mm. that one really, insp- it's basically about to describe school, but he did everything in one day. And then I just, what I saw got progressively stranger and all of those things. Like, I really admire the people that are willing to make weird stuff in the name of entertainment. So I think, like, in terms of, like, directors, Francis Ford Coppola. Like, I took a lot. And and um, there's different kinds from different, like, 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 in terms of directors, Francis Ford Coppola. Because I like that he doesn't really borrow anything from anybody. He commits. He'll pay for it himself. If you don't want to come with me on this ride, don't. But I'm going to make what I want to make. And I really admire that. Um, I admire like John Landgraf from FX, the president. So he inspires me in a corporate work sense because Mm -hmm. he's a dude who takes like real big corporate money and funnels it at like crazy ideas. He's the guy, you know, the show, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. He, he bought it when it was a pilot on VHS. They spent like $200 to make the pilot. And I think out of that, they broke the VHS, the, 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 the handicap, which was actually most of that budget. They just shot it at home. He bought that as a pilot and it's gone on to make hundreds of millions of dollars. He gave Louis CK that show, Louis. He's just made the craziest bets and he trades some budget for artistic freedom. So in a corporate lens, like John Langrath is a big inspiration. Um, so I'd say maybe those two in terms of media, in terms of people, like my mom, my mom is uh, my mom's hard to kill. Yeah. She's been in like a fire. She survived it. She's had like terminal cancer. She survived it. She like had like a rough domestic experience. She survived it yeah so probably my mom tough lady she's like <laughs> five foot one of trouble that's
1: the same as mine <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> that's the same as well what about you
1: um everyone that's watched my show 100 percent. i and i've only really thought about this um recently but 100 percent. my dad i people tell me uh, all the time like he's the nicest the nicest man that they come across and i think about it now like there's nothing bad i could ever think of my dad. He does everything for me and our family and everyone around him. And and he doesn't ever, you know, um, go sour or anything like that. But right there on the wall, you see it there, Kobe. um, Everything he's done, um, not only as a basketball player, but, you know, after his his career with uh, being a creative. And the gloves up there that are signed, Manny Pacquiao, that's another one. But 100. Those two um, people that I looked up a lot uh, in the in the sports world, and I love music from like Tupac and that.
0: I like the here's the things that really inspire me. I love stuff that people make just for the sake of making it. That's yeah. why I like what you do inspires me. So like when I hear like Kendrick Lamar's mixtapes, yeah. like I know he wasn't that underground, but I love a mixtape. I love an independent movie that was just made. Like, when I know the director just borrowed some stuff from their friends and did it, to me, that's yeah. magical. I don't know if that's just because I never had access to, like, the big budgets, mm. but, like, to me, that's always been the coolest thing you could do. And if you could take that and make something silly, even better. But to me, yeah, that stuff is always a stuff. Rohit,
1: do you follow Andrew Schultz?
0: Yeah, yeah. What he's you know, doing what on you YouTube stuff? is incredible. Incredible, right? Dude, when he <laughs> he did that one Joe Rogan interview, and he was like a storm. Like, after that, he was everywhere. Just shows you the power that Joe Rogan pumped. But, yeah, Andrew Schultz... His YouTube channel is great. He's, he's hilarious and prolific. And he he's he knows he gets
1: it as well because a lot of people threw money at him, corporate world, but then he would have been, um, what do you call it? Like he would have had a leash on him, but he knew he could do it all on his own, put out free content. And you can see it now, um, everything that, that's going on with him, with Netflix. And I think he's got the right people around him at the same time, but he's got that right mind. Plus he's smart.
0: And, you know, it's hard to, you know, it's, it's, it's understated how hard he grinds, like mm. the amount of content he puts out, mm. the amount of content he's making. It's insane if you think about it. Yeah. And it's those people like I, YouTube is hugely inspirational to me. You look at people like Lewis from Unbox Therapy. He's like a god in a YouTube sense now. Keeps launching new channels, keeps innovating, keeps making new things. YouTube's becoming really exciting. Like I know it's been exciting, but like to me, it's just it's a good creative medium. And for me, I love it because you don't need a big budget. You just need cool ideas.
1: Yeah, and trying to grow it on your own. I met Andrew Schultz and yeah. the boys actually. And his boy Alex Media. They were really cool when I met them. Um I, before Andrew started blowing up on Netflix and that he, he had a show here in Sydney and I went with my boys um Gian and Long. And they were really cool. They were really down to earth boys. Alex would message me when people afternoon.
0: really yeah, when people really love what they do, it's very different. When I was in LA, I'd go there a lot. I had I had um two weeks a year at my job at Fox. They were like an unbelievable two weeks. Like that's what people dream their job would be. I used to get yeah. flown to LA every single day. I go to a different movie studio, right? Mm-hmm. Fox Monday, Disney Tuesday. You arrive, they give you like really nice breakfast and lots of berries and expensive stuff. And then you go into cinema and they show you every show that's not going to come out for like a year or two. Rough cuts, final cuts, yeah. really good quality. This is, this is the Hollywood cinema studio, like the, the studio in the cinema, right? This is where they do like movie premieres and everything, yeah. really good quality stuff. And you go out for lunch and they bring in and out burger to you. They bring <laughs> the best food to you. Then you go back in and then they f- more, more shows and then they organize parties where you meet all the actors. Yeah, be like, so I met a lot of people over many years ago in the studio. So when you meet people like the crew from Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. right? like Brian Cranston, Vince, Gil- Vince Gilgen, the creator, like once you start talking about making stuff, no ego, no superstardom, just straight up talking about making stuff. Yeah, they just love to make good stuff, and I think yeah, those people like that are incredible. Ones that just prolifically love to make things.
1: That would have been a great yeah. experience to go out, get out to LA, meet all those guys that everyone talks about. Get out to Hollywood, and like meeting people that aren't To Hollywood at the same time. If you get what I mean with that.
0: Yeah, a lot of people could big time you. You can tell whose careers go how everyone's career is going by how they act. Mm-hmm. Musicians are generally hit and miss like with their personality i'll tell you something crazy about the hollywood thing right so in 03 i think was it 03 no i think 06 maybe it was the first time i'd gone to la i went there as a tourist me and my ex-girlfriend went like i was traveling through um and like uh this actually might have been my superstar director face so i thought let me go there back, back and make it through i was in la for the first time my girlfriend was like you like movies right um why don't i book like a hollywood studio tour maybe it'd be fun you walk around the set you see mm-hmm. everything i was like oh that's sweet let's do that so she books it day of i wake up in a panic i was like hey i don't feel so good then she's like are you sick i'm like no no i just don't want to go on the studio tour and then she's like why i was like it's gonna sound really weird but i feel like if i go there as like a tourist if i go there as like a customer like i'm always gonna be a it's like superstitious like the first time i go there i want to be paid to go there i want to go there for work and then like five years later i was walking through the gates paid it was crazy i don't know what came over me but i just like i had a feeling like yeah. I, this is not i want my first time to experience it to be a different experience yeah it's does and then i this, got to go there yeah
1: yeah this goes off uh kind of off track in that way but do you have that i, I want to ask you from what you just said then do you have that um mindset or did you have that mindset when you were a bit younger of that you were going to manifest every single thing that you wanted
0: i just lived in terror of the fact that i didn't know if it even made sense what i wanted because i had no role models around me right like mm. again like Indian dude from hong kong nobody i don't see in my neighbors like making some hollywood stuff i don't see people even you know i live in singapore right now I'll, I'll give you an example i line up at a hawker center when it's open right a place where you get food and people will like they'll be it's friendly. like a little hey, market for
1: people that don't know yeah it's like
0: in singapore a little exactly little market, yeah. it's like a little market
1: food and
0: exactly yeah and like it's really good food and it's really cheap mm-hmm. so it's the best place to eat when you're here you gotta have a little market experience so i'm in a line because you queue up it's orderly because it's singapore sometimes people be friendly they'll turn around and be like hey what do you do for a living and i'll be like oh i work in media i do this and then they're like oh my my kid my kid wants to do something like that <laughs> i was like yeah i'm like if they ever need help no 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 i want i want them to do a real job <laughs> right? This is kind of the, this is kind of the mentality people have about creative stuff and the arts around Asia in general. Parents are very fearful, right? So I think that I I had a lot of fear instilled in me rather than encouragement to do what I wanted. So no, I didn't I didn't I don't feel like I manifested it, but I felt like I did set little goals for myself. Yeah. And I felt like each little goal might get me closer. And my standards were very very low. <laughs> First goal is like. Let me just make something myself. Yeah. Second goal. Could I get any job in media? Anything. Could I just get paid to do this? The next goal was like, could I get anything on TV even for like five seconds? Then it was like, hey, maybe I can make a show because I got this far. Then it was like, I want. so it was just incremental little goals. And That's and cool. before I knew it, like compound interest, it kind of yeah. grew up. Like, yeah, it kind of blew up. It's it's. In, I actually think it's insanity that I stuck out what I did. Step by step. To be honest, like I didn't, yeah. Nobody encouraged me. And i got paid terribly for years. I mean, yeah. I couldn't afford to pay my own rent the first five years. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying you should do this and then let work out. I'm saying that like, that was my situation. Yeah. I got by because a lot of people saw that. I think people saw in me somebody that was going to do this where I got paid or not. Like, and there are people there that were there as a job. So when you're comparing me to somebody who's there as a job, I'm always yeah. going to outwork them.
1: Like for I'm sure. always going to
0: want this more than that. Right. So I think that's kind of how I made it through, but yeah, I, I don't know if I manifested anything but I was definitely scared most of the time. I wasn't like this is going to work <laughs> out Yeah, at all. I still can't believe I get paid to do this. Yeah. Like it's it's trippy to me to be honest.
1: I think it's um I can relate with you in regards to your parents not thinking that it was it's a real job because you know they it's all that they know. It's not that it's not that they think it's not a real job. They just they just grew up with their parents telling them go to uni and then become a lawyer or become an engineer or, you know, whatever my parents are, your parents are, that's all they knew. So they they never, I, I I think of it now, I never grew up with my parents going, whatever you love, follow your passions, blah, blah, blah. Like, if you love this, you go follow that, go do that. They're, they're probably just like yours. They think, go to uni, get a degree, get a job. And they didn't think that th- what you're doing could ever be a job.
0: Not only that, like, think about the fact that what you're doing is a long shot if you're in Los Angeles, mm. right? Mm. Like, in you know, Australia is not the biggest place in the world. I'm in Hong Kong, Singapore, Philippines, like you could do it, but it's like, it's an even more difficult dream where you are. It's difficult everywhere, but like, there's no examples. not that like they saw their aunt, their uncles, anybody, like you said, right? So to me, it is a long shot. I don't know. I think what was interesting was something really switched in me at one point, right? Uh, a girl dumped so an ex-girlfriend dubbed me and she said, basically like her family broke up with me. It's like Survivor, like a tribunal. They all sat me down and was like, listen, there's no future with you. That's what they said. There's literally no future with you. So we're going to do something else. We hope it's okay. So I was like depressed for like a year, year and a half. After. I, was, I was just, I was just sadly dubbing tapes every day, still doing the same thing. And then I was, that's when I got frustrated. I told my bosses, give me something, whatever it is, give me something. Let me, give me something to sink my teeth into Then the Philippines came up. You want to do that? I'm like, I'll do it. And that's kind of when I went down, even though I was scared. And that really like, and then I set a little goal that I basically decided that no matter what I, no matter how I spend my time, every few months, every year, I want to do a couple of things that I think are really cool. They don't have to be cool to anybody else, but they got to be cool to me. And when you accumulate those cool things, that becomes your resume and you get more opportunities and experiences. So I think rather... So the way I manifested it was doing the kind of things I wanted to do, even yeah. if nobody else wanted to do it. Nobody yeah. wanted to make a show. I was like, let's make a show. Nobody wanted to launch an app. I'm like, let's launch an app. Mm-hmm. So in that way, you can kind of manifest it in reality by just finding a way to get the stuff you want to do. Got it out of the yeah. gate. Yeah. Yeah. Francis for Copla, my friend. Do not yeah. wait for anybody to pay. Do not wait for anybody to do. Just start building and they will come.
1: What are some key things you would tell your younger self or any creatives watching that aspires to create or feature in their own shows, film, or content?
0: Uh, Content, whatever it is, I'd say just start doing it. Even if it's free, do it. Experience, 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 experience. Because the difference between someone that's done it and somebody that has it is huge. When I finish the movie this year, I'll be a filmmaker. Mm. The only difference between a filmmaker and me is me finishing that one movie. There's no license. There's no accreditation. Yeah, I mean, you could be like a cinematographer that's licensed by some Hollywood, but no, I just got to make that thing. So make it and get the experience. Number one, do not be scared. Just make, make, make everything you make. is going to be terrible in the beginning. It's okay. Just keep making. And mm-hmm. then number two, study what you like, study it like an insane person. Yeah. I would couldn't afford film school. I bought every DVD I could and watched every special feature. So by the time I was done, I knew more than anybody who went to film school. Right. Um, Number three, borrow and goodwill from everyone you have. Like, because everybody can help in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, one other thing is, like, um, if you're really passionate about something, you could probably convince, you, convince other people to go on the ride with you. Yeah. And that's hugely important. Yeah. Hugely important. Like, everything I've been able to do is largely because I've convinced people that, like, they could trust me that I'm at least gonna do it and finish it and not screw it up that bad because it really means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. So you can manifest and make a lot of stuff happen just by convincing people like, I'm gonna work on this, I'm gonna do it. You just gotta trust me. And you can make a lot of stuff happen that way. Um, a lot of people just don't ask. Like, you know, when I was there shooting something else for National Geographic, Russell Peters was there. I think Russell Peters is funny. He's Asian, I respect he's Asian and he's like doing his thing. I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, listen, I'm shooting indie movie. I know it's like, your agent's not here or whatever. You think you just shoot like a scene for me? He's got to make fun <laughs> of this guy. He's like, yeah, of course. Right? So yeah, like yeah. a lot of things just happen. I think a lot of people don't ask. So stuff yeah. doesn't happen. Um, and then don't be so hard on yourself and be patient. Mm. But I, think, I think the biggest thing is get whatever experience you need as early well as you can and keep getting
1: it. 100%. I think that's important for everyone, regardless if it's making content or creating content or making a film. I think just... Every getting your your runs in and your steps in is hugely vastly important.
0: If if you if you keep doing something and you don't get better at it, like it's probably not meant for you, but the <laughs> odds of that happening are very low. Yeah. I was you know I jiu jitsu right. I started as a white belt, fifty three kilos, getting thrown around the gym like an Indian training dummy, and I had no reason to keep going. I just got my purple belt like a couple of months ago. Yeah. I cannot believe.
1: Congratulations. If
0: you told me six years ago, and a purple belt's not like a blind, but like to me, if you had told me 10 years ago or six years ago, I'd be "What? you're crazy, impossible. <laughs> but every little incremental thing, sure, like you can get better, right? It's it's compound interest. Yeah. Uh compound interest is a very powerful force. You keep investing a little bit over time. The eighth wonder of the world. Percent. Exactly, yeah.
1: Eighth wonder of the world. <laughs> we'll talk more about that after the after this podcast. But um, I know. Yeah. Like you said, uh, I know for the past year, we've talked about your independent film and I know let's shout it out. Your website has just come out. you got to shout out your website.
0: This was, by the way, this is a good exercise for anybody. So the website is, is my name, (laughs) Rohittharani.com. So when, when you, when you don't want to do something, you'll find lots of ways to procrastinate. Mm. That's really what this website was. So I started seeing a therapist earlier this year. Um, just cause like COVID, everything, life, I miss yeah, my yeah. I was like, why not get a little coaching? So I started doing that via zoom and it's, it's been a great help. I do it every week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you know, whether you're sick or you're not, I encourage people to try it if you're curious, cause mm-hmm. I kind of wish I had done it earlier, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I had was what they call imposter syndrome, right? Like I've made a lot of stuff. I feel like I made nothing. Mm-hmm. I made hundreds of hours of content. I feel like I made nothing pretty weird, but that's how I feel. So one of my great procrastination exercises was like, what else would be cool? What if I always wanted to make? I'm like, let me hit two birds with one stone. Let me make like a little shrine for some of the stuff I've made so yeah. I can see it as a whole. Yeah. And then maybe they'll take the imposter syndrome box and it'll take like the procrastination box, the very important procrastination box. So I just finished <laughs> it. It was a great experience. So you can check it out. I'm now like doing the dark arts of SEO. So if you search, if you search my name in Google Maps, it's hilarious. I come up as Google Maps result now. And now I'm trying to get a Wikipedia page and everything. So, yeah. Where does it, where uh, does
1: it land for you? Does it land in Hong Kong, Singapore, Philippines, America? I I put, I put
0: Southeast Asia. I put Southeast Asia because this place is my heart. I can't pick one place, but Southeast Asia. This you know, when I was a kid, I always thought like, let me go to Hollywood. That's like the greatest place. Let me go to like the U S that's like, you know the the Mecca of all things creative. Yeah. And now that I have grown up and I've been there, I'm like, there's nowhere cooler on earth than Asia. Got the best food. Uh, like it's just an amazing place. Like yeah. Tokyo, Australia. This I mean like the diversity the, the, is the best yeah, the best. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. And I just love like you know me, I'm really into like a scrappy culture. I like the underdog in 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 all cases. I like DIY stuff. So this place, Asia is the ultimate underdog. It's They're still coming up in now. the world. Yeah. So I love it. And I uh, you know it's hard to beat our food. So hundred percent yeah i'm gonna leave the link down
1: here RohitHarani.com, and uh you can check out all his work down there i uh, just also i wanted to say um back to what you were saying with uh hollywood did you ever think of going back back to your roots and going to bollywood i just thought yeah about i thought
0: moment. about that yeah. no yeah no I, I definitely thought about it I, like here's the thing i'm like i'm like a terrible indian <laughs> by that i mean like i don't speak hindi like i haven't really lived there yeah. and there's a lot of really talented really hardworking people there um, so part of me has this vision where i'd go back to india and they'll embrace me like the prodigal son has returned but in reality they're just gonna be like who is this guy who knows yeah, 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 like, yeah. what is what is he even doing here i so to me
1: yeah yeah no I yeah, you probably had that go back to
0: philippines real, yeah right? i
1: think that I, I think of that too but I also, I also think for, for you, especially, like, um, for the Indians that I've met out here in Australia um, with the, you know, the, the Indian attitudes, you'd go back and they would just, like, look at you and be like, you know, you can't even speak the language. What are you doing here?
0: Yeah, no, totally. And, like, to me, uh, and I also used to dream of, like, Hollywood, right? But to me, yeah. the coolest thing in the world I could do is make some stuff from here that went global. That's, like, the ultimate for cool. me. Oh, that's cool. you know like there was no role models for me not many mm. if i could make anything that could just inspire a few people like imagine what could happen eventually right that 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 kind of compounding effect of people just making things and people making things for the sake of making things like not for views not for distribution not for money not for sponsors just making mm. things like to yeah. me that's the ultimate
1: and i gotta while you while we're on that note i gotta really thank you and just let you know you know i from that conversation that we had, and it might have been such a small thing for you, but I remember what's that place called in Singapore? Key, um, by the water. Uh
0: yeah, yeah, Robertson Key or Boki, yeah. yeah Robertson yeah. Key, I think we're at
1: yeah, yeah. And we were just um we were all we were just all hanging out, we were having drinks and that, and then we were just talking. And I just remember speaking to you and just t- um all the things that you were telling me, kind of the things that you've shared here on um on our podcast. And I was just listening and I was going, man. I really admire that guy. I gotta, I really got to let you know that I, I was looking and I, I was like, I need to keep in touch with Rohit. I need to be able to, um, you know, all the things that he's told me one day I could do it too, you know, I, I really need to let you know that.
0: Yeah, dude, I think seeing anybody that's kind of done what you want to do or just any success story doesn't hurt for anybody. When I say success story, I mean like wanting to do something, sticking it out, Yeah. right? Sure. It's not about a result. It's not about money. So I think, and like, that's why it's so important for me to meet folks like you. Because to me, it like reminds me of like, that there's always more people to be making good stuff, yeah. right? And we need a steady inflow of ideas, young blood, good stuff. Like to me, I could immediately, like what really inspired me about that program you went to. So for mm-hmm. people that don't know this program in Singapore, they took, you're probably too humble to brag, not so gonna brag. They took the most talented people from around <laughs> Asia Pacific, right? All of Asia, 4.7 billion people they took this gentleman right here as one of them flew them to Singapore for this conference. It's like developing up and coming talent. Right. And so you and a bunch of people were there and just to watch everyone cry. I mean, there were days where you guys were working to like what three, four in the morning, just to yeah. get some stuff together for these presentations to see that happen to me is, is super, super inspirational. I'm like a vampire. I like to hang around and just leech that energy to yeah. be honest. And yeah, seeing that stuff really is what motivates me more than anything else. Uh, so I think the feeling is super, super, super mutual. Like I said, man, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't lie about it. Like when I see you posting stuff, I'm like inspired. I'm, I admire it. I'm semi jealous and I love it. That's how it's gotta be. Keep making but, stuff, keep pushing each other.
1: Yeah, I will. I will. And hopefully we work together on some stuff. Uh, in, the, in the future. Oh, we
0: definitely will. That's that. That's definitely, at least I'm going to hit you up for a plug for the movie. <laughs>
1: so um, before we wrap it up, what are you looking forward to the most when this pandemic ends and the lockdowns are all over? What are you looking forward? Uh, what are you looking forward to the most?
0: Uh, for me, I haven't seen my family in a couple of years, mm. so that would be nice to see them. I got a dad in a jungle in India, a mom watching TV right now in Indonesia, a sister whose kids are driving her crazy in Manila. So, I think going to see all of them individually or together—that's uh, leaps and bounds, number one. And then number two, just seeing. Seeing the optimism in people's eyes, like when things start to get normal again, we'll get jaded again. But that brief window where people appreciate life, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I vouch for everything that you just say.
0: Um, and just, also, I'm just excited for the innovation, man. Like, I think things are going to be different. Um, uh, no, nothing is going to be the same, and I'm curious, I'm really excited to see what that is. I think the yeah, exact same the thing
1: in regards to everyone's going through a hard time right now, but there's going to be a lot of things that come out of this time that really push forward in the world, like the, the, the survival of the fittest, like the best will come out of this this time right now. I, I can really say, I think that, I personally think that anyway.
0: No, I definitely think that. I think that, you know, even just uh, the innovations in science with these vaccines and everything, right? The, the speed that they rolled them out, that's never happened before. Mm. I think that it's going to be a time of change. Stuff will never be the same again with certain businesses, things will make, but I think it's going to be a real time. It's a real opportunity as well. If you keep your ears to the street, there's going to be a lot of opportunity. Yeah. So I think that I'm optimistic about that part more than being pessimistic about last few years. I, I always wondered as well, it's kind of like low key thinking like, what, what's going to be our like Great Depression? What's going to be our like World War II, our Vietnam or this or that? And finally when COVID happened, I'm like, ah, this might be it. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. We're like three to four years get wiped off your your life yeah. in a sense, you know? yeah um i'm grateful it happened in many ways as well you know I'm what? like i'm definitely not yeah i know if you're the same person you were a year ago but i definitely want you know
1: I, what? I i i tell people this and i've said it in previous um episodes i'm very grateful it happened because i wouldn't have been talking to you about this on this podcast or on the uh, creating content or having this platform because i would have just been going to work coming back home catching the train commuting not even thinking, having that time to just sit down and really think, what more can I do? Like, what more can I do to, you know, inspire or, or like inspire myself to do something more for myself? It would have never happened if COVID never happened because we would have still be in that rat race, especially here. You know how it is in Sydney.
0: And, uh, dude, I, I like watch it. By the way, you're a great follower on Instagram. I like seeing how you spend your time as well, because wow, there's like, there's a the grind, there's a the workout, there's the socializing. You got a very healthy life based on your Instagram. I, li- I like, I like how well-rounded your life is over there. Balance. Uh Free lockdown. <laughs> Balance is the key.
1: Balance is the key. All right, guys, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, Rohit, thank you very much. I really appreciate you joining us on this show today and sharing your story from, oh, from Indonesia to Hong Kong to the U.S. to Singapore to the Philippines back to Singapore everywhere around the world things that I've wanted to do uh, as in be able to live overseas work overseas maybe I will do it one day but I'm going to list to all the things that you've told me hopefully people here have got something to spark them as well bit by bit step by step to chase all their dreams and follow their passions as well and I do look forward to the day that we're hanging out in person again
0: I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. I look forward
1: to that as well. You're welcome. So you can follow Rohit on Instagram at Rohit Tarani. Um, His website, I'll leave the links down below, rohittarani.com. Make sure to give us a like below, follow us on Instagram, TikTok and podcast platforms and subscribe. Hit that bell icon so you can always stay up to date with our latest content. It starts on my media. If you guys are new here to this channel, make sure to subscribe if you haven't already give us a like, it helps us uh, trigger that algorithm. episode wouldn't have been possible without cyber1systems.com.au. I'll leave all the details around here, down below. I'll leave a link as well. Um, if you guys in Sydney or, or Australia wide need help with IT services, get in contact with them. They built me a computer so that I was able to, I'm able to edit all our content um, efficiently. If you need help with like web platforms or creating an app or developing something for your for your brand um yeah definitely get in contact with them and we'll see you next time